0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Good morning. Is my microphone on? Yep. So our reading today in this first week of our new sermon series is from Exodus 3, verse 1 to 15. And God said, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight where the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. Out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up, out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel have come to me, and I have You shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What's his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses say this to the people of Israel the Lord the God of your fathers the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you this is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations let us pray Almighty and ever-living God we praise you Lord God that your love, Lord God, is as eternal, Lord God, as your life. We honour you, Lord God, for your attributes. We praise you, God, that you are um, existence in and of yourself, in and of itself, that in you, Lord, we live, we move, and we have our being. And we ask you, God, to come upon your servant, Howard, today, Lord God. And we ask you, Lord God, that his words would be your words, Lord God. And just as you sent, Lord God, um, Moses to your people, and um, to speak in your behalf. So also, Lord God, we pray that Moses, that um, Howard would um, pray and would speak on your behalf today, Lord. We ask you, God, to open up our hearts, Lord God, and to consume us, Lord God, with a love for you, which is stronger than we've ever had before. We ask you, God, to take us, Lord God, um, infinitely closer to you, to reveal yourself to us like never before. And we pray, Lord God, that your blood would, um, absolutely pour over us from top to toe today, Lord God. And we honor you, Lord God, that you cancel our debts, Lord God, and that you bring us liberty and freedom. Come, Lord God, and speak your life into us today. Pour your love into us. Amen.
1: Amen. Great job, Michael. Thank you so much. That was a super reading and a wonderful prayer. Hi everybody, it's great to see you. My name is, I need to slow down so I get it right, Howard, it's not that I've forgotten my name, it's just I haven't been doing this particularly well, Um, Howard, um, I am the pastor here of Westminster Chapel and everyone is welcome in our church family. it's really sad to be away last week. Um, I was actually speaking at a different church, a church in Wembley, um, which is a very exciting opportunity for us. It's a church that's thinking about joining our family of churches. So I have some other responsibilities as well to commission. That's our movement of churches to serve the London area. But also we had a wonderful evening here on Wednesday night. We were the hosts to the Open Doors Prayer evening on the launch of the World Watch List and it was an amazing privilege for me to meet and sit next to a brother in Christ who had grown up in North Korea, which again is back as the number one most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. He'd been in prison four times in his life in both North Korea and in China um, and has the scars on his back to prove it. Just an extraordinary testimony of how he met Christ through a backslidden believer of sorts who was a Korean gangster in prison who taught him how to pray. And he said, I think how you pray is like this. You just say everything you wish for and then put the word amen at the end. (laughs) Which is extraordinary. So this man's first prayer went like this. God, I don't want to die. Amen. And he didn't die. And God raised him up and rescued him and he's now a great voice to expose what life is really like in the most dangerous place to be a Christian in the world. By the way... One in seven Christians, one in seven Christians around the world experience high or extreme levels of persecution. Wow. Puts a different shape on reality and the various production struggles that we have may had this morning if you're not allowed to meet in numbers of more than six in Hiding fear that there might be a spy in your group who will report you and you, your children and your wider family will immediately either be executed or go into a concentration camp. It's not in my notes by the way to share any of that, to start on that note, but I just felt like maybe we need a bit of a reality check and perhaps that's what this message is about this morning as we start this new series called behold and become. And it fits in with this season that we're in in the life of our church, it's called a become season. We want to gaze at the glory of God and be transformed by Him. And we're running a number of courses that are going to match with this series that we're speaking on. You've got a list of them to sign up. Anybody signed up to a course already? Do you just want to have a proud, smug moment that you've done that in front of everybody else? God bless you for that. Um, If you didn't get to put your hand up, now is your moment. You can fill in a form. Some great courses there. Alpha, if you want to find out more about the Christian life, what we believe then that's the great course for you. Maybe you wanna bring a friend on that. I'm gonna be leading with some great people, Liam and Ewan, um, a course called Popologetics. It's about understanding culture, the world that we live in through film. And very wonderfully, a former chapel member called Dr. Wayne Wong, um, who's now like a Kind of lecturer in film studies. Um, He's going to be leading one of the sessions on the Oscar winning film Parasite. Just a little trailer for you. Um, You don't want to miss that. That's going to be great fun um, for us. But we're doing this series so that we can see, so that we can savor, so we can better showcase our amazing God. It's long been said, hasn't it? You are what you eat. But now it is said, you are what you watch. (laughs) And we have a love-hate relationship with the screens in our lives. (laughs) Most of us spend far too much time watching stuff on them, being sold stuff through them, all that kind of thing that's happening and they have an impact on us what you watch shapes you in different ways i know that if i watch too much kind of like high octane espionage kind of action packed thrillers that i start to get stressed and anxious i start to go in a room looking for my escape points and stuff like that i get a bit crazy or maybe you watch the political kind of uh, dramas on the, on the on the kind of corridors of power Well, they speak really, really fast about really intelligent things like that. And then for me, I start speaking even faster than I already speak. Um, It's crazy. But we're affected by what we watch, aren't we? It's actually said through a study of research that your IQ, your intelligence quotient will go down by four to five points if you watch too much light entertainment. Now, when I read that, I thought back to all my days as a student, watching quite a lot of, back then it was Richard and Judy. Anybody else? Richard and Judy? The Oprah Winfrey show in the mornings. I was like, oh no, clearly this is why I'm not as intelligent as I could have been. Um, But just saying, one of the main ways I think that we know in our culture that people are affected by what they watch, on a more serious note, would be pornography. And there have been loads of studies into this. One study actually says that if you watch Pornography, that your brain can be damaged by it. That it actually reduces the grey matter in your brain and can cause harming cognitive effects. We're affected by what we watch, what we focus upon and we don't want to condemn you if that's the situation you're in. Honestly, our heart is to serve and to bless. We've got this, uh, some resources on our website, uh, Get Help, uh, all about porn and information like that. We know many people struggle with that for all sorts of different reasons. We're not here to condemn you. We just want to serve you and help you find freedom and rescue. Honestly, that's, that's really, really our heart. But the most important thing for us is to make sure that we're looking at the right things. Jesus said that the eyes are a lamp for the body. What he's saying there is that the eyes are the doorway into your soul. And whatever you fixate upon, whatever you look at, will bring light or darkness into your soul. And so through this series, we want to fix our eyes on the God who is light awesome, beautiful, glorious light to have our souls flooded by his beauty. And we're going to do that through looking at some of the names of God, which express his nature and his character, and we'll do that in a Trinitarian way. So we're going to start with some of the names about the Father, and then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, and we'll pick up on some of John's gospel that we want to kind of finish, but we're going to finish it in little bits so that we honor our desire to preach through the whole of that gospel as well. But today we're beginning with Moses' encounter at the burning bush, this revelation of the great I Am. And this is happening at a time when it's not just physically colder in the space that we're meeting in, (laughs) but also many of us feel a bit spiritually colder, perhaps spiritually confused. Maybe you feel a bit discouraged, you've lost your sense of purpose and direction in life. Some here, I'm sure, will feel like God has benched them, that you're on the shelf Or in the words of Prince Harry, that you're a spare. (laughs) You feel forgotten, unimportant, useless. Where do you fit in with everything? Maybe you were going for it for God, red hot at one point, but now it's just all dried up a little bit. This is your day. This is your day. It's a day of... Awakening and activation and recovery and recommissioning for the glory of God. So I've just got three words, three points that I'm going to unpack based on this passage. You'll probably want to have it open in front of you because we'll jump into it fairly quickly and go around a number of verses. But those three words are going to be awakening, anxiety, and assurance. And it is the journey that Moses goes through. And it is a discipleship journey that we're all called to go through. So firstly, awakening awakening to the holy call of God. See, God calls the curious. God calls people who are not too busy to notice what he's doing in and around the world. You see, it's arguable that Moses, who had spent 40 years of his life living in luxury as a prince of Egypt in power and authority in the busyness of the city, he needed another 40 years of slowing down as a shepherd so that he could really see what God wanted him to see. And that, by the way, is the time gap. We know that from Acts chapter 13. Forty years, from chapter 2, verse 22, to the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1, have gone by. Forty years. God's timing is a bit different to ours, isn't it? God wants you to slow down so he can so you can see what he wants you to see. I wonder if you're here today and you're too distracted to be fully devoted to Jesus. If there was a burning bush perhaps you wouldn't notice and you'd move on by. So what lifestyle changes do you need to make? How can you walk in step with the Spirit of God rather than march in time with the tune of the demands of secular society? Do you need to recover a Sabbath? Do you need to recover silence and solitude in your life? What beautiful things in the nature of God is he calling you to stop and see? What wonderful things in his world of creation is he encouraging you to think and reflect upon? Maybe it's the Goldilocks-like nature of the universe, how beautifully finely tuned it is. Maybe it's this, the, the very character of God that was revealed at Christmas. You haven't got over that. That he's all-powerful, yet he shrinks, become humble and so small. Perhaps it's something intangible. In the life of another believer, a Christian, that you can't quite explain, there's a piece, there's a substance to them that really awakens your curiosity and you want to find out more. Well, curiosity never killed the cat, right? That's just nonsense. Make like Moses. Get interested, get curious, take a next step, find out more. Look what Moses does. Let's look at verse 2. It says, Moses looked. And he beheld. Verse 3 says that he turned aside. He turned aside from what he was doing. He turned aside from his other priorities. What do you need to turn aside from? What wrong priorities have you been caught up and focused upon that God is saying, I want you to turn aside. You need to turn aside and spend time with the Lord. As soon as Moses does that, God responds in verse 4. And he calls Moses by name. Moses, Moses. Not once but twice because culturally we're told that actually calling a person's name twice like that was an expression of love and affection an invitation to deep, wonderful relationship. When you turn to look at God as you are turning right now today, he's calling you by name, can you hear him? He is, he's calling your name. He wants you to come to the fire of his presence, to get warmer, get stronger, to come bolder for his glory. And in many ways, this is not unlike other fires that we encounter in the scriptures, fires of restoration. I think of Peter, it was at a fire where he denied Christ, despite all of his protestations but it would be at another fire on a beachside, where he would be reinstated, where he would experience grace and forgiveness three times over and he would be recommissioned and called to go and feed God's sheep, feed my sheep, serve my people, love them, shepherd them. There's a recommissioning around a fire which is what's going on in this passage today and for all of you who are engaging with this message, God is recommissioning us in his love to be on mission for him but to come closer he asked something of us just as he did of Moses it's in verse 5 take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground there's something we all need to take off for Moses it was his sandals which perhaps were symbolic of Everything had come into defilement with the earth. We immediately need to take off every small thought that we've had about God every unholy idea that he's just your personal fixer. He's a little bit of extra on the side in your life. He's your pick-me-up Prozac to help get you through the days and difficulties of life. He's your sugar daddy to provide whatever you want whenever you, you need it. These are unholy ideas about the awesome holiness of God, and we must take all of that off in order to come into his presence. And it may feel uncomfortable. It may be exposing. To take sandals off would have exposed his feet and we may feel exposed as we're coming into the holy presence of God as we're taking some things off us but it's good for us it's humbling but it's good that we humble ourselves in his holy presence because we must let him consume us with the fire of his love not just our feet where we may have trespassed into sin but also our hearts. What do you need to take off? I'm going to pause in a moment before we get to the next point so you can practically do that. That if you want to, maybe you want to take off your shoes symbolically as an expression that today you are taking something off, you're taking off a sin, you're taking off condemnation, you're taking off a wrong attitude, maybe you're taking off an unwillingness to embrace discomfort, I suppose that's what Going barefoot means, really, doesn't it? It's, it's taking off a comfort and an ease in life, and saying, "I don't want to live that sedentary, lukewarm life anymore. I want to take that off, and I want to come into your holy, fiery presence, that I might encounter you." And a way of doing that would be, "Okay, God, I'm just—I'm going to take my shoes off to express that to you now." So I'm just going to pause. And I'm just going to wait and let you, for these few moments, respond. What do you need to take off? Have a moment with God. The next point is anxiety. Soon as Moses gets this call of God and he's coming into the presence of God to be commissioned to go for him, anxiety overwhelms him. You see it in verse 6. He's so afraid he cannot look upon God. And then it continues throughout and into chapter 4, verse 11. He asks the question, who am I? I can't do this, God. He's saying, I'm a nobody. Who am I? I'm not qualified to do what you're asking me to do. And then it moves forward into the passage, verse 13. He says, I don't know what to say to them. Then chapter four begins with him saying, I don't think they're going to believe me even if I, I tell you what you want me to say. Verse 10, he says, I'm not eloquent enough. I don't, I'm not gifted enough in speech. I just don't think I can do this. And then in verse 13 of chapter four, he goes the whole hog and he says, please ask somebody else to go. Anxiety's just got hold of him. One of the biggest challenges that we face is fear. It's fear. And as Christians, it is fear of doing what God asks us to do. Surveys say that the top fear that people have is a fear of failure, and they did a test for CEOs and they found that the main cause for distress in 90% of CEOs was fear of failure. So if you meet a CEO, you know there's a 90% chance that they're terrified of failing. I know what fear is like. I know what anxiety is like. You know what that's like. I had a massive kind of battle with anxiety last year in November. I was preparing to go to Korea to learn about the church in North Korea and to hear about all the trials and challenges that they were facing and all that kind of stuff. But I was most anxious, actually, about sharing a room with somebody else that I didn't really know because I'm an extreme introvert. And that, for me, was like, ah! I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep. What if they snore? What if they don't like me? What if I don't like them? And then the food in Korea. I tend to not like food that's kind of been in the sea. Um, I can eat it. I can tolerate it. But generally, Korea is like like an island, mostly. um, That part, at least South Korea. So, oh boy, I was pretty anxious about the whole thing. And that may well have contributed even to me getting kidney stones, because they say stress is a major cause of that. And like, oh you anxious, but I was so grateful for the grace of God to press through it because of the people that I met and what I learned and how God used me and how he spoke to me and it was, it was amazing. And it would be the same when you overcome your fears. How does fear affect you? What fears are most holding you back from doing what God has called you to do? How are they affecting you physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, How do they shut you down, even here on a Sunday, even in the way that you worship, right? If I kneel down, if I put my hand up, if I sing out here, if I do that, it's it's just a straitjacket of fear. And the wonderful thing about this passage is it tells us is that we can talk to God about it. But there's no problem that we can't share with him, just like Moses did, that we can... Describe what's going on in us. And it's okay not to be alone. Not to have to fake it to make it. So what do we do? We notice our anxiety. And we name it and we bring it to God so he can tame it. That's what Moses is doing, it's really that simple. The intangible sense of fear and anxiety becomes tangible as we start to describe it in the presence of God and we start to get his perspective on our distorted understandings of reality. They start to be transformed and we find a sense of hope. So today is a day for you to acknowledge your anxiety before God. To name it so that he can tame it. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you. So, what anxieties and fears stop you from fully serving God, from doing what he's called you to do, that he's spoken into your life about through other people, perhaps prophetically? What's holding you back? Because we want to be obedient. We're called to be obedient to Jesus, to do his will, not our will. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 talks about how we have been chosen for obedience to Jesus Christ. The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, that we would go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but teaching them so that they would obey everything that Jesus has commanded David is called a man after God's own heart. Why, Acts 13 tells us, because he would do everything that God asked him to do. We want to be a people who obey, so we must name our fears that hold us back from being obedient, for God to tame them. So I want to invite you now, just in a few moments, to do just that. In your own way, tell God what you're afraid of. Talk to him about it right now. You'll notice I'm deliberately pausing to apply this message as we go along through it because I want us to learn, I want to learn the importance of not just being a hearer of the word but a doer, immediately seeking to put into practice what God is encouraging us to do. The final point is assurance, so we've moved from awakening to deal with our anxiety to then come into the place of assurance with God. And that is about understanding the name of God, his nature, his nature and name. They express the story of God. How does he relate to us? And in verse 14, we get the official first revelation of God's name, Yahweh. I am who I am. This extraordinary name, one commentator, calls it the endlessly satisfying and bafflingly enigmatic, famous name of God. "I am who I am." It is about the isness of God, the active presence of God, the God in saying, "I am, therefore you are." He's also saying, I am, therefore you are not, that He is God, that we are His creation, that we depend on Him, His isness for our existence. Jesus called Himself the I am. Well, many times it's recorded in John's first century biography where Jesus will use these descriptors, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection and the life. We're going to look at a few of these later in this series, I am the gate. And he's deliberately using that phrase because he's making a claim to be God. If you need to be really clear about that, go to Mark chapter 14 and verse 62 where Jesus is on trial. He's being unfairly tried as a common criminal. And they say, to him in the Sanhedrin, this Jewish council, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And he simply says, I am. This phrase, the I am who I am, is picked up by John in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, where he starts to extrapolate this understanding of the name of God, of his nature, and it says that God, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Understand that, the beginning and the end. The God who is and who was and who is to come. Present, past and future. This is the God of total existence. He depends on no one and nothing for his existence. He is totally self in being, self-expressing like our fireball sun. Everything depends on him for life. And here he is appearing as a fire that burns under itself, that doesn't consume wood. He doesn't need wood with which to burn, such is his nature, because he is self-reliant. This is an expression, the picture of how he reveals himself is an expression of his very name. Our God creates out of nothing, nothing is impossible for him. Later in the story, we'll hear about fire being caught down from heaven on drenched, saturated wood by Elijah, and it, ex- it explodes and combusts. This is the nature of God. He's awesome and almighty. But he continues to have another expression of his name. And it comes twice in verses 6 and 15. He calls himself the God of the fathers. I'm the God of your father. And the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. What is he saying in that expression of his name, well, he's giving us hope that in everything that changes in this world, in all of the transience, in all of the upheaval, in all of the chaos, he is the one that is constant and it is his character, his nature that is constant. When life seems overwhelming and the rug is being pulled from under your feet, he is the same to every generation that has come and is to come. He acts the same, he's the same in character. He's faithful to Abraham. He provided the child when they couldn't have one. He was faithful to Isaac. He provided the substitute so that Isaac wouldn't be killed. He was faithful to Jacob to to protect him from all of the deceptions that could have happened to him. This is the character of God. He's not just almighty and all-powerful self-existent, he's good, and he's faithful, and he's generous, and he does that in spite of their sin. He's faithful to Abraham in spite of Abraham's unbelief. He's faithful, isn't he, to Jacob and Isaac. He's faithful to Isaac in spite of his favoritism, and Jacob in spite of his deceptions. Such is the character of God. He'll be faithful to you in spite of your sin and your wrongdoing. He's gloriously good and generous. But there's more. Verse 7, this God sees affliction. Our God, he sees suffering. He sees what you're going through. He sees your pain. He sees your trials. He sees your hardships. And in verse 8, it says, he came down in Moses to deliver the people of Egypt out of their suffering and trials and difficulties. And God comes down in Christ to deliver you, to deliver us out of our trials, our difficulties, all the things that we may be oppressed by in life. Jesus comes, ultimately God himself, our perfect deliverer, to experience the fires of judgment on the wooden timbers of the cross, but they cannot consume him, these icy cold fires of hell because of the burning hot fire fire of love that is inside him he paid the penalty on the cross he defeated death he rose victorious he ascended to heaven and he sent the holy spirit to come upon his believers in his church so that we would be baptized with fire the same fire tongues of fire that came down on them at Pentecost, so that we would be burning with his beauty, but not consumed by it. So how would fearful, anxious Moses go? How could he face down the world's most powerful leader, his army How could he go to serve a people that rejected him 40 years earlier? Basically, said, "We don't want you, Moses," and he hadn't seen them for 40 years. And be like, "Well, who, who are you? How could how could he do that?" Well, God says to him in verse 12, "But I will be with you. But I will be with you." It's understanding that that is the key. God was with Abraham. He was with Isaac. He was with Jacob. And he was also with Joseph. And there's a refrain in scripture which I think every Jewish person would have known. And God was with Joseph. And God was with Joseph. And God was with Joseph in the most extraordinary of situations that brought favor and turnaround and blessing. God was with Joseph in the pit. God was with Joseph in the prison and it turned around. God was with Joseph ah, when he stood before Pharaoh. Sounds similar, doesn't it? God will be with you. It's gonna be all right. You need to know who stands along side you. I think of the beautiful kid's story, the Gruffalo. Anyone know the Gruffalo? Yeah, a few people. And there's this tiny little mouse who's pretty ingenious. And the mouse is gonna get eaten by basically everything in the forest, but because this Gruffalo, this terrifying giant with terrible teeth and horrible claws and warts on his face, and because he walks behind him, the mouse is safe. Everything else fears the mouse because of his friendship with the Gruffalo. I think of the character Hogarth Hughes, and he has friends with the Iron Giant, and because he knows the Iron Giant in his life, he is so courageous and bold. Or for me as a Star Wars fan, I think of Han Solo. Always by his side, he has a giant Wookiee like a terrifying, super powerful, amazing monster who's his best friend. I mean, that's going to encourage you to kind of go on and fight. Or you've got Lewis Lane, her, her boyfriend is Superman. At any moment, she's got a superhero. Come out and rescue her. I tell you, there's nothing compared to the friendship that we have with God when he's saying, I am with you. He's the God of all creation and all existence. And he's saying to Moses and he's saying to you, but I will be with you. As I call you to go. And he's proved that in ways that Moses could never know. God has proved his witness to us in the incarnation by coming. He is so with us, he became one of us. He is so with us, he suffered to identify with us. And he's with us in victory over sin. And he says, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. He's with us through the Holy Spirit. He promises his withness for all of us. He's present here right now, urging and encouraging us on. Will you see with new eyes who I am and what I like and the promise I make to be with you, to be with you? So as we come to worship now, let's behold this God. Let's think about him. Let's dwell upon him. Let's warm ourselves in the fire of his greatness. Let's help his love melt our fears away. Moses came to this encounter. And God would work through him to deliver thousands and thousands of people out of darkness into light. That's our call too. So here are the questions again as we come to respond. What do you need to take off to come closer into the presence of God? What fears do you need to tame by naming them in the presence of God? And what attribute or aspect of the nature of God does he want you to know so you can go and be bold for God? Our vision as a church is to see hundreds of lives transformed. The way that will happen is as we again and again become transformed ourselves from one degree of glory to another in the presence of this awesome and amazing God. So we want to turn aside now to him. We want to take off. We want to tame our fears. And we're going to trust God. It's a moment we're going to go straight into a time of worship, but I want to invite you to respond. If you're here and you know God has been calling you by name, I wrote down a few names here. God is calling people here to respond, to come to the burning bush of his fire. We're going to have an area of prayer over there. I'm just going to invite you to come forward. I'd love the opportunity to pray for you. So would our prayer ministry team. Just to pray for the fire of God's presence to come on your life. For him to recommission you, to call you. Things that he's asked you to do, God, that you've put on hold, that you felt aren't possible, where you've had fears. Today is a day where he's saying, I'm calling you again, I'm calling you by name, Emily, Emily, Nathan, Nathan, Taylor, Taylor, Michelle, Michelle, Katie, Katie, Colm, Colm, I'm sure there are many others, the Lord is calling, come warm yourself in the fire of his presence, let me pray, Lord we just thank you so much that you're such a gracious God so full of love and mercy we thank you that you're here already right now in this moment and that we want to take off all that hinders us from coming to you that you would purify us make us a holy bride fit for purpose to go in the world and to proclaim your deliverance overcome our fears with your love today give us assurance give us boldness give us courage take away condemnation take away fear recommission us with your love with your forgiveness with your grace warm us up spiritually so that we're red hot passionate for you that if you say it we will do it if you ask us to go we will go And Lord, for where people have given up, they feel they're full of doubt, they've got questions about their calling, come and speak clarity to them today. Help them to come forward. Release them from the fear, even now, of responding to this message, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We say, come, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way.